All right, we're back at it again. Joe, are you there? I am here. I am here, sir. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. So uh, we got a great guest today. Uh, we do. Very excited to have Dr. Holland with us. It's uh, He's got some great information and uh, really, really excited to hear what he has to say. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about a lot about optimizing the patient with, with him, uh, but get his perspective as being a doctor and what ACR is all about and you know, just hear it from the horse's mouth, right? Did you just call him a horse? I did. You did. All right. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I didn't call him a horse's ass. <laughs> you didn't. That's true. Didn't. I'm not sure you can say that. But that <laughs> all right. Good enough. All right. Well, let's... Do you want to uh, introduce our horse? Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get right into that. And, uh, you know, let's, let's go talk to Dr. Holland. Very good. Welcome to ACR Moonshot, the Advanced Cardiac Resuscitation Podcast, where we embrace a bold change in the way that we plan for and respond to sudden cardiac arrest in the pursuit of saving more lives. And now your host, Joe Powell and Billy Croft. So I'm super, super excited today to have with us Dr. Dustin Holland from Carson City, Nevada. Dr. Holland, how are you? Good. I'm glad you said Nevada right. That was I, impressive. Is there a way to say it wrong? <laughs> oh, there's many. Oh, is there? Okay. <laughs> I, I, we, we did a podcast with Josh Smith, and um, I had a hard time saying Massachusetts. I still have a hard time. <laughs> Can you say it right? I'm not even going to try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, uh, a lot of things today. Uh, your perspective as being a doctor uh, as it comes to ACR and the philosophy and the methodology behind ACR. So uh, let's start out with who you are and give us a little background. Yeah, so I'm uh, Dustin Holland. I'm a full-time emergency medicine physician. Uh, I'm practicing in Carson City, and I serve as the medical director for Carson City Fire Department, and I also um, work with the local SWAT team doing tactical medicine. And um, I've been practicing there for... Just over two years. Before that, I was practicing in Indiana for quite some time, and that's also where I did my residency and my EMS fellowship. So, what you're saying is you're kind of a badass. I, how what, you know how you interpret what I say? That's up to you. Well, you just said you're on a SWAT team, so I, you know those guys are badass. I, I'm just there to to keep them, you know, as safe as possible. Let, let's be uh, clear. You look like a badass, right? You got all the SWAT I, equipment on. Yeah, you're, we, you're a doc. We get to dress up and and shoot things and you know run around and put tourniquets on and just practice for the worst, hoping for the best. And do you get to break things? We break a lot of things. Uh, yeah, yeah, very cool. Very cool. I don't know how happy we make the city sometimes but yes we <laughs> we get to break a lot of stuff well it sounds like you're pretty involved yeah uh, what other things are you involved with um you know in the emergency medicine or uh, you know in the er i'm on a couple committees so i stay involved there but a lot of my time is really spent with our local fire department um building uh, new protocols new continuous quality improvement programs and then, <clears throat> obviously, this uh, the ACR program is really something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, I've been on scene of countless cardiac arrests. You know, I run calls with my crews and have done since fellowship. And, um, you know, everyone works a cardiac arrest differently. And there's just really not a good systematic approach to it. And I think this um, 
the ACR is really what might be able to, pro, you know, kind of bring a lot of that together, a lot of the, the technology we have, a lot of the monitoring, a lot of the science, and and really give our patients the best chance. And so I'm, you know, really excited about this. So how did, uh, Doc, how did you... How did you come to to be the, the medical director, and I'm not sure that's the right term, but the, the medical director for Carson City? How did mm-hmm. how did you get there? Yeah, so I, um, you know, I did a fellowship in EMS and kind of learned the ins and outs of what it means to be a, a physician medical director for any type of EMS agency. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, kind of old school docs you know, who say, uh, it's just load and go, you know, just what's there to do who why do they need a medical director and so i uh <clears throat> i worked in ems before medical school down in las vegas and really really loved it i thought i was going to be a trauma surgeon uh, but then i found out what that is really like <laughs> so uh, emergency medicine just came naturally and then i still wanted to stay involved in the pre-hospital care world and so i did that and i worked um, I, out in indiana and built a a community paramedicine program and did a lot of EMS and then moved back home to Nevada where I started just getting involved with the local fire department, doing some educational stuff. And after a little while, they asked me to kind of step in as their medical director. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously uh, you mentioned it before that, um, you know, everybody runs a cardiac arrest differently and but the outcomes seem to be the same, right? 9% survivability nationwide. So what propelled Carson City to go with the ACR model? Yeah, you know, there's not a lot in in EMS where you feel like you're just completely failing, you know. Um, To have survivability rates and neurologically intact survival rates um, as low as we did, we felt there there must be something we can do to improve, but we didn't really know what that what that was. And um, you know, we kind of came across the ACR um, program, and and uh, you know, Terry and Joe came out and presented a lot of fantastic information to our fire department, and I was there for all of it. And we just started kind of talking more about uh, where this could go in the future. And I thought, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought that would be a really good. Um, initial project for for me and our our EMS chief is uh, relatively new to that role and so I thought we could really tackle this together and kind of bring our department together with a common goal for our community and something we could really improve on. I love that uh, I love that common goal right mm-hmm. common goal to, for the community is, is fantastic. Josh uh, hit on that a little bit when we uh, when we talk we're talking with Josh about that but I think you know, we talk and, and Billy and I talk and we all have this conversation about a, you know, a national, a nationwide average of about 9% survivability. Um, and I always like to turn that around, right? I always like to say, okay, so what is that? That is realistically a 91% fatality rate. And is there anywhere else in EMS or in emergency medicine or in the hospital or in fire service that we would accept that huge failure rate? And there isn't, right? You know, if, if every time we went on a, a, a structure fire, you know, a single family, single story, you know, room and contents fire, we burned down the entire block. If 91% of the time we burned down the entire block, we'd fix that right here, right now. But, but in EMS, especially in cardiac arrest, it's just, it's just the acceptable norm. And we, we've, got to, we've got to fix that. Right? Yeah, and 
<clears throat> that's a that's a great point. You know, that's been one of the challenges in our department. I think it's true for a lot, a lot of fire departments and EMS agencies is kind of building that buy-in with all of these, you know, um, line staff who have been just, you know, they got into the fire service to fight fires and, and do that. And, and that is awesome. But in, in reality, most of their day-to-day job is EMS, you know, taking right. care of patients. And so, you know, conveying that in a, in a way that makes sense to them, that, that shows them the value of their services and their skills uh, has been, um, I thought it would be easier, you know, but, but if you do it in the right way and, and you really show them, like, here's all these cool skills and tools, and we're going to teach you how to do this and how to be better servants to our community, um, I've found that you can really get a lot of buy-in and you can give them, you know, that, that part of the jo- their job that they really didn't like initially, you know, they, mm-hmm. they find a little more value in it and, and, and can do it, you know, with a little more um, excitement. Yeah, I think you, you find, you know, initially you try to get people involved in this process and they're just so beat down from, you know, losing 91% of their mm-hmm. patients that they're not, they're not even interested in, in looking at it. And I think, like you said, you know, when you, when you show them the value of their skills and what they're performing and that they can have a better outcome, I think that makes a huge difference. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think it's great that you are looking um, at this problem, okay, um, at the hospital perspective, that what can I, what kind of tools can I give, you know, a fire department or an EMS-based uh, agency, um, helicopter transport, critical care, whatever it is, uh, what kind of tools can I give them so they arrive to the ED where we can actually do something, you know, make a, uh, an impact on the outcome of that patient. And I love how the fire department is looking at it also saying, okay, we can't do this alone. So what can the community do to help us? And so it's a, a huge team effort. It's just not, you know, the fire department in a bubble or EMS agency or transport agency or the hospital. So um, I think that's amazing that you are that forward thinking as a medical medical director is is doing that so any any thoughts on that yeah you know we can we can be perfect as a fire department you know how we optimize the patient could be perfect it's not but even if it was we would still not have the outcomes that we need so we have a lot of work to do in our community um we are we are um really analyzing what we can do to optimize the community i have a student who's um, kind of doing a mentorship for him and he's uh, really diving into all the different resources and you know locations and business breakdowns and uh, AED placement locations and all these different things for us so that we can really help reduce our failure before we even arrive on scene you know or reduce our risk of failure and so that's gonna I know that's gonna take years um, and we'll just, you know, slowly try to fix one thing at a time. But in that, that time, until we can optimize the community, we can also improve on how we're optimizing our patient and how we're working the cardiac arrest on scene. And so we're, we're doing a lot of new trainings on that. You know, we've really, um, we've had some presentations in our department from the head down, uh, you know, with buy-in from the top initially, 
just to make sure we're all on the same page. But, you know, we're kind of showing how much training that our crews spend on fire-related activity and then how many active working fires, you know, how, how much time they're actually seeing smoke compared to how much mm-hmm. training we're doing on EMS and how many times we're getting activated for EMS calls. And it is, um, as you would imagine, not distributed, right? And so, you know, but a lot of people don't want to hear that, although it's the reality of, of the EMS fire world that we live in. But we're really trying to find a common middle ground there. How do you make your EMS work feel as valuable and as important as fire? You know, and, and that's just one challenge that we have in a, in a fire-based EMS agency. You know, I think we all, we all know that. We all know we're, we're doing a ton more training on the, on the fire suppression side than we are on the medical side. But the way you just put it, right, the way that you kind of you put it in perspective was fantastic. I, I, I love that. Yeah, most definitely. So, um, you know, you're coming from a perspective of a physician here. So let's, let's talk about ACR and the way we used to run cardiac arrests. So now, why did that make so much sense to you? I, you know, we can talk about it all day. Joe and I can talk about it. We're medics. You know, we've, we've seen so many people die in front of us, you know, for a variety of reasons, but why did this make sense to you? And why did you take this initiative on it? You know, like I said, I've been on scene of so many cardiac arrests and fortunately we're not working arrests like we used to, you know, back in the nineties or, you know, I just watched bringing out the dead and it gives me a little, <laughs> gives me a little heart attack. I'm like do compression, do compress. You don't have to intubate them. Um, you know, but for quite some time, we, we've just kind of had this standard, like we just show up, you, you know, try to fix their airway, you push on their chest and, and you just hope for the best, you know, but when you start looking at some of the, the newer studies and uh, just the evidence that's really supporting, we should be doing everything we can to optimize cerebral perfu- you know, perfusion. And, and it's not all about the heart. It's not all about just getting that heart to beat again as soon as possible. It just, it just really kind of opened my eyes to um, the opportunity that we have to to be putting this bundle of care together that might give our patients a lot better outcomes. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, when you look at the American Heart Association and ACLS and, and what we've done, what I've done for the last 40 years, I hate to say that. Um, but, uh, as a, you know, uh, in, in, in EMS has really been focused around how do we get hearts back? How do we get hearts back? Everything is how do we get hearts back? How do we get hearts back? And we spent our entire career, and I've spent my entire career trying to get hearts back until we have, we came to a point, what, seven, eight years ago now, you know, at least at Rialto Fire, we said we got to do something different. We've got to get brains back. And to get brains back, we've got to manage these pressures. We've got to manage all of the care. We've got to manage the compression fraction to get those those brains back. And I think that's just an, a, a really important point. You know, it's kind of like, well, what happened here? What happened? What's the breakover? What, how do we get started moving this direction? And I think it really kind of comes, you know, for you, Doc, and for you, Billy, I think it gets to a point where you're like, we are not saving brains. So we need to change what we're doing. And how do we go about saving more brains? And then that's that step forward into the into our kind of our new realm now with ACR. Yeah, most definitely. Um, was it hard for Carson City Fire to um, 
accept this change? Do you think it was hard for them? I think it, I think it was. Um, you know, I think they were willing to do whatever we said we were going to do now, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of like, here's a new protocol, learn it, follow it, do it, you know, but, but there's, there's that. And then there's the actually believing in, in what we're doing and, and understanding right. why. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's taken me a year to, with multiple presentations and kind of going, going over some of our own data and uh, showing some of the differences in our outcomes. Although they're nowhere near what we want to be at, they are improving and they're trending that, you know, towards that way. So I think if you can use real, you know, tangible examples from your own community and your own data to kind of support a change, it, it goes over a little bit better. And so um, I would say there, we still have some who, who don't understand it, who don't really know why, you know, they, they seem to think, you know, when we were just doing, uh, you know, hands on, you know, like normal traditional CPR and intubating the patient, we felt like it went smoother. But now that we've been doing this for over a year, um, in, in the, the same way, you know, it's, it's like second nature to them now. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I have to echo that too because it was it was the same way in Naperville. Um, it was initially very difficult, uh, and it took a while for them to understand what was happening. Um, but here's the real thing: I get I get really geeked out about, and we talked about this in other in other podcasts. You know, you manage all these protocols, right? This is the best way we're going to treat this this patient. And you have it there, and they follow it. You know, they follow it to a T. Um, this ACR protocol, we're asking them to critically think about what they're doing, right? So how is that hurdle to get over? Say, hey, you're going to have to really think about what you're doing and when you're doing it and why you're doing it. So how is, how is that? I mean, I... It's the type of critical thinking and interaction with a patient that I expect from my paramedics. Um, you know, I, I don't want cookbook medicine. I don't want you see A, you do B, you see C, you do D. You know, that anybody can do that. You don't have to be a paramedic to do that. But paramedics are advanced level providers. You know, they're providing the highest level of, of out-of-hospital care. And so giving them the opportunity to, to look at um, a general guideline, you know, the, the protocol, and say, okay, you know, it looks like we're heading this way. We're going to do this. We're going to try this. I think that might not be appropriate at this time. Maybe we'll do this. You know, that's the kind of challenge that I want to that I want to have for our our paramedics. And and in doing that, I know that you know they're going to do the best thing for the patient. I'm not going to be on every scene of cardiac arrest. We're not going to have you know some ACR representative on scene, you know, like to say, oh, you missed uh, this or, or that, you know, so giving them the opportunity to learn kind of the science and the reasoning behind the protocol, then they can throw the protocol away because they understand why we're doing it. And they can, they'll follow it, you know, because they know there are certain times that you do this because of, you know, what they've learned. And so, um, it has been a challenge, you know, because certainly in, in every agency, there's, there's medics who just want to be told, like, what do I do if this happens? What if, but 
I've found for you know the overwhelming majority is they want to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah, I you know, does it freak you out though a little bit? I mean, you, what you're saying is you're trusting your medics. Hundred percent. Come on, come on. <laughs> what would freak me out more is if I couldn't. Um, you know. Very good. Oh, I love and, that. Uh, yeah, and and I wouldn't <laughs> want to be the medical director of an agency where I didn't trust the wow. paramedics that, that I work with. You know, I, I, I look at it. I, I work for them. You know, I'm here to to help them be better, to give them the what they you know all the skills and, and knowledge that they can that they want to retain, and what they do with it. That's that's their decision. You know, um, I have a great medical director, Dr. Darrell Wilson, uh, from Edward Hospital, and he's he's amazing. You know, he has the same mindset as you do. Um, but do you think that's the norm across the country? No. Do you think they're trying to control everything? Well, you know, EMS as a subspecialty within emergency medicine is um, one of the newest, if not the newest, field. You know, we have had physician medical directors for, for decades um, who just, it was kind of on the job training for, for many years and you kind of fall into that position and you just do what you think is best without a lot of, you know, um, support nationally or a lot of other doctors out there doing what, what they were doing, you know, and that's the way EMS medical direction was for quite a while. As it became more organized, as it became a, a recognized ACGME fellowship, as it became a board certified subspecialty, you know, we're having a lot of people, uh, a lot of newer, younger physicians who are training and understanding like what it's like to be in the box, you know, what it's like to be trying to intubate somebody behind a dumpster, you know, to, to try to get a, an IV while you're going down the highway, you know, so there's, um, I think there's a, a really nice transition um, or transformation in pre-hospital medicine happening at the physician level where the, the docs who are responsible for this kind of stuff, um, they actually under, understand more about what the job's really like. So, yeah. yeah I think that's going to be fantastic for EMS in the future. We're going to, we're going to see a lot of improvement in that, in that realm. Um, you know, as, as both Billy, you know, and you doc, you know, talked about, I, I wanted to kind of point out, you know, one thing that's, that's really important in, in building an ACR agency. And that is the fact that this is not a train, train your folks once, send them out to do it. And it's a done deal. This is a process. It's a culture change. It's ongoing. And it's just, it's just continuous throughout, right? You doc, you've been doing it for about a year, Billy, you've been doing it for how long? Uh, about Three and a half years. Three and a half years, right? And and I'd been doing it a long time in Rialto, and it's it's a it's a process, and it's continuous, and it's not something you're just going to roll out once and make work. So, important point I think to to point out to everybody. So you can't do this by yourself, right? I mean, for for sure. I mean, do you have champions on the Carson City Fire Department that are taking this up? We do, we do. Um, you know, we we brought some of our paramedics out to the base camp. Um, and they have really been kind of at the forefront of promoting this and, and helping with our trainings. Um, I will say they prefer to be called warriors instead of uh, champions. <laughs> Heck yeah. Uh, warriors, all right. But we'll call them whatever they want as long as they, they help us, you know, improve. So, you know, that, that's been a, a big thing for our department is, you know, you bring in this new, new tool or, you know, this new set of, 
uh, a way that we're doing things. And it's very foreign. It's very different. It's still supported in literature because half of what we did before wasn't supported in literature, <laughs> you know, more than half. So it's still it's still sound and it, and it makes sense, but it's very new and foreign. So, you know, when we brought that in, um, you know, it it was kind of coming from the top down, you know, from the EMS chief and the medical director saying, this is what we're going to be doing now. And I think that's the only way you can bring something into a department, right? From the leadership has to, has to decide. But once it's there, you really need that buy-in from, from everyone who, you know, other individuals at that level who are going to be the main ones using it. And so to have these ACR warriors in our, you know, in our presence, it's, uh, it is helpful. And, and we're doing a lot of trainings and the ongoing training for this type of thing. Uh, because like you said, you can't just throw it out there and, and hope for the best. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Um, Doc, so can you divorce yourself from, uh, from your EMS role for a minute and take us through what this looks like from an ED role? Um, from a from a you know a, a baseline uh, you know uh, ED doc that's that's seeing this come in the door and then how they you know how they they kind of perceive that and then you know what changes maybe need to be made there kind of in your view um, you'll kind of just take us from that perspective of the ED doc and the guys rolling in the door and what that looks like yeah so I'll try you know EMS is so ingrained into my brain yeah, that yeah. I, it, no uh, it's it's um you know it's interesting because i've seen so many cardiac arrests uh that are you know ongoing arrest you know maybe they had rosk but it wasn't sustained you know kind of rolling through the door and what each hospital team in the er does is so different i mean you could be there uh. four hours later after shift change and the the way that that patient is received can be night and day different so I think in the ER, we have a, a great potential to really screw things up. <laughs> um, and, and it's not because, you know, we're intentionally doing it. It's just the way that, that the relationship between EMS and pre-hospital care and the receiving emergency departments, it's the way that that relationship has been built and, and sustained for, for decades. You know, it was always this load and go, just stabilize, try to do what you can. But as soon as they get to the ER, then we're going to start doing real medicine. Right, you know, right. you know, let's rip out that eye gel or LMA and let's shove a tube down their throat. Let's rip off the mechanical compression device and start doing terrible manual CPR. <laughs> you know, let let's not check their end title. Let's not monitor their blood pressure. Um, you know, other various things. So, I'm not saying that that we do that all the time, but I just think there's potential there for that and. And recognizing that um, is the first step to kind of changing. So when I see our crews coming through the ER uh, entrance with a, a patient, you know, on a mechanical compression device and, and have an eye gel in and they got their end tidal waveforms and they're doing everything that I'm so proud that they're doing, you know, I think it's, um, it's important that the ER, you know, the ER staff recognizes that and continues it forward. That, that was really important when we rolled out this program is we had buy-in from the hospital. Uh -huh, yeah. You know, we brought our devices into the hospital. We said, this is what we're going to be doing. We sent out the new protocol. You know, we made sure that they didn't under, that they understood what we were doing so that they couldn't just destroy it. 
you right, know, right, as soon yeah. as the patient gets there. The whole continuum of care doesn't end, you know, when we leave, when we drop that patient off in the ER, they have to be managed appropriately in the ED, the ICU, rehab, you know, everything going forward to have that, that outcome that we want. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of parts to it. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, um, things that go it's a wrong. System, right? yeah, 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 most definitely. So, what do you what do you say to other medical directors um, and even other emergency room doctors um, about considering moving towards ACR across the country? So, I I think it's it's something that each community and uh, hospital and you know. EMS agency is going to have to consider themselves. Um, you know, you you really have to look at where are you now. Do you have the do you have the ability to change to make a change this big right now, or do you have to prepare your community and your agency more first? You know, with maybe some smaller changes. So I think um, that's a really difficult individual decision for each agency and community, but I do think it's worth looking into. You know, each medical director should look at the data themselves and, and kind of see how these different components in the bundle of care actually do make a difference and if they're willing to take the risk of doing something better. You know, I, I, I don't think there's much more room for failure. I don't know if we could do, you know, ACLS, cardiac care outside of the hospital much worse, you know. <laughs> um, but... I, you know, I'm also a realist. I recognize these patients are dead when we get there. They're dead as dead, right, until they're not. But, you know, so so I think it's easy for for um, leadership in these agencies, including medical directors, to accept, you know, 7%, 9%. That's, that's just what we do. That's how it is. You know, that's, that, that's not going to change. It's been that way for 40 years. So um, I, I would say, you know, it really it just has to be an individual decision, uh, but it's really something that I would recommend people look into. So, Doc, uh, two things for you, and we got about a about a minute left. Um, but one is, can you speak just real briefly on the data project, what we're trying to accomplish there, and why data is important? Yeah. So, you know, you can't really prove you're doing anything right with statistical significance until you have the data and the numbers. So, we're really working on gathering data from many agencies to try to bring that together and um, do it in a right way. Because this just hasn't been studied. You know, each individual component has, but it hasn't been studied together. So over time, that's really what we want to do. And and I just want to make this perfectly clear. Um, Dr. Holland is our physician advisor for the ACR consortium and on the advisory board. So uh, we are working, he's working with us, we're working with him uh, to collect this data um, to actually show that this is beneficial for for the patient, for the outcome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Last thing, how do you think um, ACR from a, from, a medic, from a doctor's perspective, how do you think uh, ACR is going to help us get to our moonshot, that that uh, 50.1% neurologically intact survival by 2030. So I would say, um, you know, we we have absolutely no chance in, if we continue doing the, the things that we, we are across the country. You know, no chance at all. Uh, that, that number's remained pretty plateaued for, right. for many decades. So I think if you look at all of these different components to optimize cerebral perfusion. And, you know, in the future, I'm hopeful that we'll have more technology to directly monitor that. 
uh, because that really is our goal, preserving brains and saving brains, not hearts, right? It's pretty easy to get ROSC in most patients, mm-hmm. but what does that mean? How does that help them, you know, go to their daughter's birthday next year, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I really think that um, bringing in all these different components and bundles, uh, each component in the bundle of care that individually has been studied and shown improvement, if we can use those in the right way and kind of put that puzzle together, um, I think we might actually have a shot. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, it has been an honor to have you here, Dr. Holland. And we're going to have uh, contact information in the show notes of, you know, if, if other project medical directors, medical directors want to get a, in touch with you and talk to you about ACR and, you know, all those questions that they may have, um, you know, they can get in contact with you. Um, it's just been great having you here, Joe. What about uh, thank you, Doc. Thank you so much for your information and uh, exciting things moving forward. Thank you, guys. Happy to be here. Yep, as always, trying to make it better tomorrow, guys. Better right? tomorrow. Yep. All right, we'll see you next week, Joe. See you next week. This podcast and its postings are for general informational purposes only and do not constitute the practice of medicine, medical direction, medical oversight, or medical advice. No doctor-patient or doctor-healthcare provider relationship is formed. This podcast and advanced cardiac resuscitation are not a substitute for any local, state, or federal policies, protocols, or treatment guidelines. The views and opinions of the hosts and the guests of this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view or policy of advanced cardiac resuscitation, its officers, members, or member agencies. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by advanced cardiac resuscitation. Thank you for listening to ACR Moonshot, the Advanced Cardiac Resuscitation Podcast.